0: Monday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Rocketeer Minute. Where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest adventure movie Walt Disney's ever made the 1991 Joe Johnston directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com.
1: And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, Jim, a lot of times uh, we talk about having very special guests on this show. But uh, but this time, we, we always mean it. But this time, we get to mean it uh, literally, as we have somebody uh, with us uh, who is a, a retired special agent from wow. uh, from none other than the the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So, welcome, Bob Borchert, to the Rocketeer Minute. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
2: Hey, absolutely. How are you guys doing today? Have,
0: we'll do- having a having a great day. This is a, this is an exciting time. We've been. Uh, We've been watching uh, FBI agents all through this movie, and we finally get to to talk to one about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. exactly.
2: I've never seen so many Tommy guns in all my life. but anyway <laughs> Isn't that something? Uh-huh. Well, um, so uh,
1: we're diving in here into minute uh, minute ninety six. Although I, I suspect we're probably not uh, talking a whole bunch about the minute. Uh, you know, we see uh, we see Lothar swinging around. We see uh, you know Timothy Dalton decides to uh decides to sort of lighten the load a little bit uh, for the fatherland as he says uh, in his in his suddenly German accent of English, but really what we want to do is uh we want to talk to bob and and uh, talk about uh, the FBI a little bit
2: sure uh Yeah, 1977. I became an agent. Uh, Matter of fact, it was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and that's where I'm from. Kind of interesting because normally in the old Hoover days, they'd send you totally across the country from where you're from. So it was just the luck of the draw. I I go in the office, and the guy said, "Oh, your dad must be a senator or congressman." I said, "No, he worked in a factory." (laughs) (laughs) But, But they got me back. They sent me to New York City, and. You know, very expensive place to live. And then I spent most of my career in Chicago, so about the last 18 years before I retired. So I worked general criminal stuff and then organized crime, and then I got into some special operations flying, as a matter of fact. So, yeah, it was a great career. I'd do it all again in a heartbeat.
1: So, what were you doing before you joined the FBI? Did you go to the FBI right out of college, or did
2: you? Uh, No, I, uh, matter of fact, I went to college in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, if you believe that. And back in the 60s, you, you had a deferment from the draft well when that ended you had to go into military either get drafted or you sign up so i went in the air force for four years then i came back and it was kind of interesting because i played football at at oshkosh and party lots and i almost flunked out to tell you the truth to be (laughs) quite honest (laughs) so then i went in the air force went to vietnam for a year came back had a wife and two kids and i went back to school in milwaukee and got all straight a's and b's isn't that interesting how that works that's amazing (laughs)
0: motivation yes exactly
2: so then I, I, I wasn't one of these guys who dreamt to be FBI agent all my life, but then I was like 33 years old, and I uh, said, I better better do something for a living. And I looked around, and I really enjoyed the criminal justice courses. One thing led to another, so I was in the State Department for two years, which is like the Secret Service, traveling around the world with foreign dignitaries and Secretary of State. But I had applied for the FBI five years before that. Really? It's kind of like the airlines, you know, the, the hiring process, the money, budgeting, all that kind of thing. So after about two years of traveling 80% of the time, I said, boy, I still want to join the FBI. And they said, okay, well, no, now you're in. So so I tell all these young kids, if you get discouraged, don't worry about it. Up until the age of 37, you can be, be an FBI agent. Wow. I can. Some guys say they they don't get hired in six months. I said, hey, wait a minute. The federal government works in wondrous slow ways. (laughs) (laughs) They do take their time. Exactly.
1: So so if you started in 77, that was about five years after uh, Hoover died. Um, Yes. But would he have been, uh, was he still alive when you applied? Uh, uh, I applied
2: way back in 1971 in Milwaukee. As a matter of fact, the movie uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, the the, the guy who was based upon John Douglas, the guy who started the FBI pro Oh, sure, yeah. He actually recruited me in Milwaukee before he went out to Quantico. No kidding. So, yeah, I, I actually applied in 71, and then 72 something happened, but not until 77 did I get hired. So I heard all the Hoover stories from the, the older guys. When I was <laughs> going to say, the uh, you know,
1: his uh, his legacy must still have been you know exactly. Alive and yeah. well, if, if for for want of a better term, when you started. Exactly.
2: It. the The bureau started in 1908, I believe it is, the Bureau of Investigation. But in 24, Hoover took over, and he really formed the best law enforcement agency in the world. It's just uh, quite quite a honor to have worked for him.
1: That's wow. that's just yeah. amazing, and and that his tenure lasted uh, nearly 50 years. Was it 48 that's years? That's correct. Like
2: that? Yeah. He, yeah, exactly. You know, there's a lot of controversy. Maybe he should have retired 10 years earlier, but uh, sure. he, he, he passed away in 72, I believe it was. Uh, did, but,
0: did you did you train at Quantico that, that it had just Oh, uh, yes, I did.
2: At that time, it was 16 weeks uh, basic training at the FBI. Now, I believe it's like 20, even 24 weeks. It's quite a long, extensive training, half his classroom, half his uh, firearms and uh, practical problems, all that sort of thing. Of course, since 9/11, I think 30 or 40 percent of the bureau works terrorist cases. So, a lot more stuff was added after I left. But I have a very close relative who's an agent now, so it's interesting talking to these these young guys. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> See the differences that have taken place with computer technology and all that sort of thing. So. There's a whole squad in Chicago. I think all they do is cybercrime. I'm oh, down in the Illinois area.
1: And uh, after the uh, a couple of the technical problems that you and I ran into getting up and running, uh, I don't think you <laughs> you and I are going to be uh, in much demand in that particular department, are we, Bob? Exactly.
2: I always tell people I I became a social scientist, not a techie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: wow. And I, I guess one of the interesting parts of, of this particular movie is that there really doesn't seem to be that much of a... Uh, a fo- I mean, when you usually hear early stories of the FBI, the, the consideration is mostly about uh, you know bootlegging and, uh, sure. and organized crime sure. and stuff like that. But sure. uh, the FBI has always had a, a large uh, contingent of people fighting uh, uh, foreign espionage and things like that. Oh, and, absolutely.
2: And- yeah, there's two sides of the FBI. You have the criminal side, the guys who... Traditionally, changed bank robbers and fugitives, things. Then you have the foreign counterintelligence side, and that's uh, kind of a totally different uh, ballgame. Now, if people are interested, uh, the FBI has a very good website, FBI.gov, and then you can go click on History, and it has segments, and it's got a segment for the 30s. Back in the '30s, uh, all the interstate laws were passed. Be- before that, somebody would steal a car in Chicago and drive to Wisconsin; they'd have to stop at the line while they passed all these interstate laws. Plus, it was the the gangster era. All the the notable Babyface Nelson and all all those Dillinger and all those guys. So it was, it was quite a quite a period. The '30s.
0: Yeah, it's, and I would imagine that that was when they would probably your the agents had to expand outward in their knowledge of things like uh, linguistics. You know, you had like in in uh, in foreign uh, foreign intelligence, you had to you know read foreign newspapers and find out what's going on. You probably needed political scientists and things like that to know what you, where these people were coming from, what their yeah, tribes oh, sure, you know, sure. were
2: sure. People always ask me what I liked the most about the FBI. Of course, I liked a lot of the exciting cases and this sort of thing. What I really loved the most was the variety of people that I worked with. I, I worked with former teachers. I worked with a pharmacist one time. I worked with former attorneys, police officers, just a wide variety of people. So, yeah, any of these cases, and the FBI investigates like 300, 350 different f- violations of crim of federal law. So, yeah, you, know, you need a wide variety of types of people, but boy, they're good quality folks. Uh, that's what's really fascinating.
0: Yeah, they all—they all sound like they—they'd win on Jeopardy. <laughs> it, <laughs> exactly. Um, you have to have a wide-ranging uh, skill set to know all this stuff. I, I don't think you've, I, 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 as far as I know, you haven't had any uh, problems with uh, spies and zeppelins. But it—it uh, <laughs> it seems like Not your me, work no. would take you to a—not <laughs> <laughs> me. What a, what a very diplomatically
2: answered, Bob. Yeah. It's funny you mention that. I, I'm also a private pilot, so I, I did some flying for the FBI too. And one time we went to a school down in Fort Lauderdale, and we went over, and they had a Goodyear blimp over there, the dirigible. So we we went up, and the guy says, "Well, come on up, come on, sit in the sit in the seat here," and uh, it was like riding a whale. There's a big wheel on the left side that handles the the. Uh, elevator up and down and then you got two pedals It's like riding well. He he wouldn't let us touch any ballast, but for a few minutes we, we flew the thing. <laughs> so it was fascinating.
0: So, so Jim yet again. Yet <laughs> again, I, I'm the only one I'm the only one on the show that has not flown an airship. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I've got to work on that. You, yep. you
2: did the uh, Hal, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I did. I got to
1: do that that was the first official story assignment I got from our mutual friend uh, Jim Busha uh, at oh, EA okay. sure. uh, was to get with Goodyear and fly their brand new airship, Wingfoot One, which is actually technically a Zap. That's, uh, it, it
2: was kind of like riding a whale. Yeah, right? it
1: really, uh, it really was. Yeah. Although this was all, you know, side sticks and fly by wire and everything else. But sure, uh, sure. High um, tech whale. Well. It's a very high tech, high tech whale. But we just had uh, uh, Jack Pelton on on. Uh, on the show on Friday. Oh, sure. And uh, he was with me on that same trip. We both got stick time. And so we were giving Jim uh, here a hard time uh, telling him that that, uh, two-thirds of the people on the show (laughs) had flown an airship. And So we're keeping true with that.
2: That's good. I'm
0: I'm getting blimp envy. That's like... (laughs) (laughs)
2: Exactly. Uh, Um, that, That one in the movie, that... At first, I was thinking maybe it was like a Hindenburg. I guess it had hydrogen it, in it. It'd be apparently. that.
0: Yeah,
1: it'd be that same uh, same class. It's fictional. The Vintage. Luxembourg. Oh, yeah. um, and the yeah. the uh, the registration number, the LZ uh, one hundred and thirty or excuse me, LZ thirty would be uh, that was actually assigned to the Graf Zeppelin two. But uh, Graf see. Zeppelin, Hindenburg, Graf Zeppelin two are all in very, basically that roughly that same class. And so it would have separate uh, compartments for hydrogen and things. So, and uh, it's you know it's it's uh, it's like the the old saying about checkoff and the gun. If you show a gun in Act One, it it better go off in Act Three. (laughs) You show a zeppelin in Act One, it's probably going to burn in Act Three.
2: So So could those Nazis be smoking cigarettes in that gondola? (laughs) I wonder. You know the
1: uh, the Hindenburg and uh, did have a smoking room. It was wow, isn't that uh, amazing. Know, it, it just seems impossible to wrap your head around, but it uh, it wasn't uh, that that itself wasn't necessarily a huge fear. But you know, uh, Jim, we're hopefully going to have uh, uh, an airship expert or expert, excuse me, on with us here shortly. So we'll delve into that stuff much more yeah. deeply.
0: Oh, one thing that's not 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 FBI related, but we're talking about uh, the cliches that you always see with. Uh, with balloons or blimps and things like that, the the one that comes up in this particular minute that I that I always laugh at is uh, they they have to lighten the load, and uh, of course the the way to lighten the load is get rid of one of the people. Right. Um, and I, I can remember this in like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang had that, Around the World in Eighty Days had that. They always throw somebody overboard when they said there's too much weight. So tr- true to form, we get uh, Timothy Dalton shooting the uh, the Nazi agent.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yes. Oh my gosh! Uh, so, well. so Bob, when you I just want to
0: hear some more about your
1: career uh, sure, when you got sure. out of the academy, um, you know. What do you remember about your first few days or what was a typical early day like? You get uh, you you know, you put on your suit, I'm assuming, you get to work.
2: Yeah, you put on your suit and you slap on your gun and you actually put bullets in it and then the first day. <laughs> and what were threw, you uh,
1: a what sidearm would you have been carrying at that
2: time, do you recall? At that time we had a 38 revolver. Okay. So a Smith and Wesson model 10 I guess it was. Oh, sure. And yeah. and when they had the Miami shooting down in uh, Florida where Two agents were killed, unfortunately, then they went to automatics because they're undergunned. But anyway, the first day you go in and they had these clerical people who had been there for years and years and knew the ropes. It's kind of like in the military. The, the sergeants run the military almost. You get, it's like a lieutenant and you don't know hardly anything, but he teaches you. So these young folks at the Milwaukee office that just, just do your job, come on in and just pretend you know what you're doing and everything will work out fine. You'll hook up with a more senior agent. So <laughs> so the first time you make an arrest you're all nervous and sweaty palms and everything of course. you know, like I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be arresting people. So I just <laughs> take it a day at a time and you start to know the ropes and it was just a fascinating. I worked general criminal for about 6-8 months and then I started working organized crime and that was very interesting. Uh, yeah, wiretaps and surveillances and all that sort of
1: thing. It's a, it always fascinates me because I, I I think you recall Bob I had a I had a, a, a modest little law enforcement career right. of myself yep, as a, yep. in a, a small city out in Washington State.
2: Sure.
1: And uh, for us, when when we're starting out and you're in uniform and everything else, it's all about going on patrol. And I you mean, know, you sort of yeah. joke we yeah. could go out and sort of drum up business, but uh, <laughs> but you guys don't have uh, the the special <laughs> agency FBI doesn't really have that concept. Do they? Generally
2: speaking, they don't. Uh, and I often thought I missed something not doing what you did for at least a couple of years because uh, you're on your own and it's uh, you know surprise. Uh, domestic uh, disturbances, they say, is one of the most dangerous things. In the FBI, you work a case for several months, maybe, maybe even a year, and then all of a sudden you get a bunch of guys and you make your arrest. However, having said that, the agents in Chicago work you know, big organized crime cases. If you're an FBI agent in Pocatello, Idaho, you might be working somebody who shot a bald eagle because that's a federal crime. Oh, right. And then there again, then you are on your own. So there's a wide variety of different uh, places you can work in the FBI. So if you're in a big city, that's one thing. If you're out in the boondocks, it's totally different. I've heard of stories of agents in Montana riding horses out to arrest somebody, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, yeah. even to this day, you know. So, yeah, it's it's quite... Uh, Different different scenarios.
0: Uh, I have I do have to ask about uh, in the in this movie we've watched uh, the the poor FBI agents uh, Wooly and Fitch. Uh, they yeah. they were uh, they, they were upsetting Hoover because they had wrecked their third car that week <laughs> or this that month. <laughs> uh, were you in Were you involved in any FBI car chases uh, during you know, your I'm career?
2: Sure, a few times I was. But it's funny you mention that because there, there was an old saying in the bureau: there's two things that get you in trouble. Cars and women. <laughs> so if you have a car accident, yeah, Mr. Hoover's going to say, What the heck are you doing? Weren't you watching? Or this or that. <laughs> now, however, do, do you ever hear the book uh, No Left Turns? It was written by an FBI agent, I guess, way back in the. 60s or something. Apparently somebody was driving Mr. Hoover and he turned left and he had a car accident so then from that point on they could never make a left turn so he had to make three 90 degree turns To if they're going north they have to turn right three times to go west. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no left turns. I wish I could find a copy oh, of it. It's a amazing. really hilarious book. I've never heard that. About one. The, I the, the old I
0: Hoover Days. They could move to New Jersey where they have the uh, the jug handles that you make the uh, yes. the, the oh, right yeah. to go left. Well, I <laughs> lived in
2: New Jersey, exactly. Oh, really? Where, whereabouts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were in Bernardsville, New Jersey, when I was in awesome. the New York office. Sure. Okay. I, I south up Mor- Elizabeth. up South Elizabeth. Oh, Elizabeth, sure. Matter of fact, I was going to Linden Airport quite a bit because we had airplanes oh. at Linden Airport
0: beautiful general aviation uh yeah. place they're near, near the gm plant yes
2: yes exactly yeah that they're during the war that i think they built uh be some kind of bombers there or, or no maybe uh the uh hellcats or whatever yeah the, yeah the, the
0: hellcats were were out of there the, isn't uh, that something the pursuit boy, planes. Well, small
2: past, world. Yeah. it really is a small Crazy world when small you start world. talking to people
1: and now we get to say uh, that uh that that jim has some mysterious history with the fbi that uh oh, oh. that's not, not the first <laughs> yes. time we've called his yeah, background far, into question on the yeah. show yeah yeah
0: exactly. uh, so bob linden 1977
1: yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. so bob uh, you, you mentioned so you know you've had an aviation background as well you've done some flying um, when you when you flew for the fbi was that uh, um, if you don't mind mind us asking was that official or was that uh, uh, you know, I, I happen to have access to an airplane and I am gonna, I can go lend a hand, because I did a little bit of that kind of flying for our police department. way back Sure,
2: when. sure. It was official, and I can't talk a whole lot about it, but it's no secret that the FBI uses airplanes. So we sure. would do all kinds of different things, transport evidence or do surveillances or relay radio communications. One time I was out west in Montana, and we had a, because all the repeaters were so far apart, you needed, so there's various functions that you can use an airplane sure. for, so... And did that for several years. Um,
0: as as part of your work, uh, I'm sure you had to spend a lot of times in courtrooms. Did you have to provide testimony in a lot of uh, in a Sh- lot of cases?
2: Sure. Well, not a whole lot. I mean, I did when I was working cases in Milwaukee. I worked cases for four four and a half years, and basically, about three of those years on on a big organized crime case. Uh, it's called the balustrade case. As a matter of fact, it was part of the skimming case, the movie Casino is loosely based upon that. Uh, that case where they would bring money out of Las Vegas to Milwaukee, Chicago, Kansas City, and right through,
0: through the grocery store. Or the, that's uh,
2: right. My memory, we'd surveil a guy, some Italian guy from Chicago. He had a black and white checkered sport coat. I'll never forget this. When he was skinny, we knew he didn't have any money. When when he was kind of chubby, he had wads of cash under <laughs> under his sport coat. <laughs> wow. Did you have a nickname so for I was, him or? Somebody I, remember, the, somebody. I remember his name, but uh, I was like, I'll mention it right now. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um,
0: and w- was it was it similar to the way it was in the casino movie that uh, that the mother had uh, talked with with her friends about the problems that that you had heard all of this stuff with wiretapping? Is that how that is that true as as it was in the movie? Uh,
2: generally speaking, normally that the wives and the girlfriends would just not not know about a lot about what was going on, so uh, it was very rare when they would they would have any details that would help us out and he, they would just say well the guys would leave and they'd say fix dinner or whatever and they'd come back and it's business you know that kind of thing that yeah. the godfather just business <laughs> um,
0: it, it must have been I would imagine a lot of that is just a bunch of spy versus spy they knew that they were probably being surveyed and, and you you had to figure out how to get past what they were uh, th- where they were worried about or where they thought they were safe is that
2: uh, I mean, yeah uh, yeah a lot a lot of times I mean they'd go to the same restaurant every day for you know six weeks straight you'd f- but every once in a while there'd be a certain person who met with them, and that was key. I'm sure Hal re- did a few surveillances too, ninety percent of the time it's kind of boring, then all of a sudden, whoops, there's here's something really important, so and- it's not like in the movies where every the car sitting across the street, and every day something exciting is going on. You exactly.
1: <laughs> you just hope you're awake when the interesting thing yeah, happens. Exactly. Exactly right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the big one. Um, wow. Bob, looking, uh, you know, as you look back on uh, on your career, you've been retired for a while now. Is there a, is there a, a particular case that you were sort of most excited about or most proud of? I know that's that's a hard thing to hard thing to ask, but.
2: Well, there were a couple of kidnapping cases where we saved the baby's life, that sort of thing. That's really rewarding. Wow. But I do remember a couple of big... Uh, there, matter of fact, there's one case out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, of all places, where that the Payne uh, Art Institute, they stole these Fabergé eggs, which oh, were, right. I guess, priceless, really? and they took them up to Minneapolis, and it turned out there was a shootout, and a young agent had to shoot through the back of the window and on a wintry day. Then another time out of Milwaukee. There was a bank robbery gang that would go across the country. We followed them all the way up uh, there again to Minneapolis. And nobody was shot and everybody was safe, but they tried to rob two banks across the street at the same time. It was fascinating. That's just amazing. <laughs> he's, he's kind of, oh. And they, we, we watched them steal a couple cars early in the morning. And then they went and they had automatic weapons and everything else, but we, we took them all down. I mean, that kind of stuff really was uh, rewarding. Oh, that's just, I could... If I had more time, I'd think of some other oh, cases. Man, but but uh, and the big, the big, big case, big organized crime cases in Chicago, putting a bunch of those guys in jail—that w- that was rewarding after a couple years of investigation.
1: Are um, you? Uh, is it okay I... for you to go to Chicago to this day, or do you do you look over your shoulder a little bit once in a while?
2: <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, one just came to mind—the Greylord investigation. It was the first big public corruption case in Chicago and a friend of mine well not a friend but an acquaintance of mine I know him real pretty well Terry Hake wrote a book he was undercover in the Cook County State's Attorney's Office this is back in the early 80's and it's called Grey Lord matter of fact I think they're making a movie about it so down the road we can talk about that Oh, excellent. oh Grey Lord it was a, they put like 12, 13 Chicago Cook County judges in jail and half a dozen police officers wow. for, for corruption uh, Terry Hake, H-A-K-E is the author and he's a Matter of fact, he wasn't even an agent at the time. They found out how uh, corrupt the, the the things were going on in Cook County, and he was a lawyer. And wondering why he's losing all these cases while well, the judges were getting paid off. So oh. they wired him up, and for a couple of years he was undercover. And it was really a great, great case. So keep an eye out for that one. The great, great. Oh, I want to Lord. watch that movie definitely. Yeah, it yeah it's. Uh, I think that they're in the process of making it. I think. I was I was
0: thinking if, if working on such a long career with so many you know criminal elements and things like that. Does it? Do you get depressed about how the world is? Because I would think I would—I'd be looking around like Batman. I think I not, when I retire, not, like everything's bad. Not banned. really.
2: I mean, it's—you uh, you keep a positive mind. And uh, a friend of mine, a, a very good agent who is now retired down in Florida, he said, Bob, he said, all we do is keep the lid on the garbage can. You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of attitude, and it, and it's kind of true. We still live in a wonderful country, and. Uh, it's it's great that we have people that want to get into law enforcement or the military and do these types of things. But no, I I never got really, really negative or burned out in any way. It, it was a great career. You
1: know, it's funny, Bob, our our mutual friend, uh, Jim, not not our co-host here, but yes. he uh, and I have talked about this a bit, and it's uh, it is a uh, it, it's a I think. He, you would have had a, a, a different approach, like I said, working these longer-term cases and traveling more and stuff like that because sure. it is a challenge. I know uh, it is a little bit for Jim, certainly was a little bit for me working in a small town. After several yes. years, you know, you've seen sort of something bad on every corner, and then you get that yeah. cumulative yeah. effect, and you start feeling, you know, I never let it uh, let it really take hold, but I can yeah. understand how yeah. you, after a while, you say, well, um, you know, boy, this is a terrible part of town because... You know, three yeah, bad yeah. things happened here in ten years, and you know that sure. may or may not—that's uh, not necessarily a rational assumption. But you start—you do start getting that emotional—that emotional, uh, that emotional sure. vibe from it. But, and
2: you're still aware, more so maybe than the average public, but you just—you don't—you don't get paranoid. Right. But you're aware of what's going on. When you see a package laying there, all of a sudden, it's, something's out of place. <laughs> yes. What's going on here? You might want to call in somebody. <clears throat> People just don't leave packages, lay at the front of the Starbucks.
1: Exactly. I've been uh, I've been out of law enforcement for 20 years, and I'll still, uh, uh, you know, the right kind of uncomfortable conversation on a street corner, uh, you know, bar yeah, or restaurant, yeah. I still put my gun yep. side back. You know, I yep. still start to rotate a little bit, present <laughs> sure. a smaller target, bring my right elbow down. sidekick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so.
0: exactly.
1: Now, now, Jim, if you I'm noticed any of that uh, when we first met in Chicago uh, just a few days ago, uh, no offense, yeah. uh, you're imagining okay. it. That body language had nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm
0: natu- naturally shifty. Yeah. I understand. <laughs>
2: you're, you're... Wait, what, what part of Chicago did you meet in? That's another critical <laughs> yeah, yeah, that element. It's a critical element. <laughs> we were...
0: were at the on the waterfront, actually. Yeah, we yeah that's true. <laughs> at at yeah, the Adler Planetarium, though. So that's a oh, that's yeah, a nice, that's nice. a good a hotbed of criminal
1: activity. Yeah, I think that's
0: a good, wonderful, dirty spot to meet. <laughs> it was it was a lot of it was a lot of fun, and it was great meeting uh, all the other podcasters that were there. We had a, a oh. great time. It's it was funny. It was like a high school reunion for a high school none of us ever went to. It we just that <laughs> yeah. we we talked to each other online on the phones and stuff, but in never met. Virtual in yeah. sure, yeah, absolutely. So a great time. Um, well, Bob, thanks so much for being on the show. We, we've been wondering about the FBI all through this. It's like I can't imagine that. Well, I, I, you know this 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 was hoover's fbi and it was a nice tight organization and yep, it's it's yep. nice to know there's still dedicated people that, are. that are working on it to this day yep. it, you definitely have to have a love for you know both your country and for getting do getting the work done this, this is it's a difficult thing to do you face life and death situations in you know in normal part of your job that's that that's always uh very comforting for me to know that there, there are people like this that 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 put themselves on the line for uh you know really high stakes
2: and there still are today. They they, they still. It amazes me the the quality of young people they're getting in who are just really outstanding individuals. It's really something to see. It's encouraging to me. People can get depressed about our country and our society, but boy, that's still a bright spot as far as I'm concerned. You're
0: here. here. Yeah, I know. It's great stuff and uh I, I don't think we ever have to worry about uh Nazi infiltration of zeppelins at least. That's no. <laughs> that seems to be out of the way, hopefully. Um but good good Maybe year when converse, you're Steve. on the
2: first ride that you're taking. Yes, you're yeah, exactly. some <laughs> some
0: Some a boy can dream, right? That'll be uh, that'll be Jim's
1: bad luck as he finally gets his airship yeah, ride exactly.
0: and oh, Nazis. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's hope for the best. Wow. Well, uh, f- uh, for those who are listening in, uh, you can join in our conversation as always on our social media. You can find us on Twitter at uh, Rocketeer Minute. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the facebook.com slash Rocketeer Minute site. Uh, join us at the big website uh, rocketeerminute.com, where you can listen to so many fascinating conversations like this one and previous ones that you may have missed. And of course, you're, we're always available. And we're running out of time. We're coming down to the last uh, last dozen episodes or so. So uh, sign in while you still have time on iTunes or uh, Google Play. Uh, type Rocketeer Minute in the uh, in the subscribe in the search bar, and then the best is yet to come uh, on our on our feed. We'll be back here tomorrow with some more uh, adventures and the continuing uh, problems up there in the uh, in the Luxembourg. But uh, hopefully things will work out for the best. Uh, So join us here tomorrow on the Rocketeer Minute. Until next time, over and out.